Hi everyone, this is Austin, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the now, episode number 45. LL Research is a non-profit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community, and towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us here at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Raw Contact and president of LL Research, along with Gary Bean and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions from spiritual seekers that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. Our replies to these questions are not final nor authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We always ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to submit a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin, and we are getting ready for a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Gary and Jim, are you guys here and ready to go? Both of those things. This is true. All righty. We start our show today with a question from Billy, who submitted it via Bring Forth. And Billy asks, How do you see the creator in an other self? Ra gave this as an exercise for spiritual evolution, but it always felt kind of vague to me. I've tried in the past saying in mind, see the creator when looking at another self, but it isn't not been something I've been able to make a consistent practice out of. It gets repetitious, feels insincere, and like a mindless mantra. Maybe it is my approach to the exercise that is in need of fine-tuning, or maybe it is simply not for me. What do you guys think? Do you apply this exercise in your life, and if so, how? Are there any other practices you use to see the Creator in all other selves? If this question... Oh, don't need to read that last sentence. (laughs) So, it's a great question from Billy, and I think we can start it off with Gary. Uh, like Billy, I um, do not do this as a fraction as much as I should, but um, unlike Billy, I've had success with it when I have placed my mind here. Um, and really don't have... Um, on the question of is this for me, is this exercise for me, I think this is a very universal ex- exercise and should in general apply to anybody upon the positive path that wants to see the, the creator in self and other self. Uh, those to whom I would not recommend this exercise are those, posit- are those polarizing negatively. Um, if, you are, if you are on the SDS path, this exercise is not for you because you don't want to see the other self as the creator. Um, in terms of how uh, to potentially deepen this, <clears throat> I've got um, a few thoughts to offer that I'm going to uh, walk you and myself through. <clears throat> I would start with a question, where are you placing your attention? Are you seeing the person's appearance or gender or behavior? 
these, as with all things, are certainly expressions of the one creator. But seen at their own level, such things tend to obscure the creator underneath, the creator behind the face. This is the level of name and form. The creator is yet beyond. The creator is yet deeper. So what are you seeing when you look at the other self? You could try this. Try taking your seeing deeper. See a soul who is exercising their free will on a course of evolution like your own, stumbling, bumbling, trying to find their way. See a soul which carries within it confusion, pain, memory, anticipation, hope, and so forth. See a soul that is in the same, is in your same basic boat, behind a veil of forgetting and third density. See a soul to whom you are connected in ways more profound than you could possibly imagine. Spend some time turning these thoughts over as you look at somebody and letting these thoughts sink in. So what then are you seeing when you look at the other self? There is yet deeper you can go. Place your attention on seeing the other self as perfect, just as they are, whether seemingly evil or saintly, ignorant or illuminated. Refrain from assigning any value to their decisions. See them simply as making choices, as the Creator designed that they should do. Remove all judgment from for their choices. Then see everything they do is happening in an environment of perfection. Place your attention on seeing the other self as whole and complete. Bring your awareness into a knowing that however distorted or limited they seem on the surface, they, in actuality, contain all that there is. They are all that there is. And eventually, they will discover this within themselves. So, Billy, what are you seeing when you look at the other self? Are you seeing another Or are you seeing yourself? And this exercise can go deeper yet, but I think that as it goes deeper, the mind plays less of a guiding role because it surrenders to silence and spirit. As one penetrates more deeply, one rests and abides. And the more one releases effort at this level and rests in silence, the more that eventually, insofar as I understand, Even the primal split of subject and object that causes you to see you and um, you to see another self begins to dissolve such that all is revealed as one, as the creator. I don't think that seeing the self, the other self, as the creator is an intellectual process per se. I feel that by intentionally placing the attention on the creator nature of the other self and removing judgment, and seeing their perfection, and seeing them as beautiful, and feeling the love that already exists in your heart for them, and so forth, the mind can certainly help explore and enlarge this experience. And the mind can help stimulate states of contemplation that feed and cultivate this awareness. And the mind plays a part in gathering one's attention and placing it where it is desired. But ultimately, the merging of self with self and with other self happens through the doorway of disciplined silence, I believe. And that wraps up um, my reply. Good luck to you, Billy. Uh, Thank you for that beautiful response. Uh, Jim, uh, what sort of encouragement do you have for Billy? Uh, I'd also like to uh, congratulate Gary. That was a very good answer. 
Well, I would agree uh, with quite a bit of what Billy said, that as uh, an exercise used without any uh, depth or feeling, if you're just uh, trying to look at another person as you're driving down the street or walking down the street and see the Creator, you can kind of do that, but uh, there isn't a lot of depth to it there. I use this mostly when I have some sort of a difficulty with someone, and in my meditations, I see the person, uh, well, basically I combine it also with balancing. Uh, I see the situation in which I'm having the difficulty with the other person. And then I allow that difficulty to get larger and larger and larger. And then for its opposite to be called to me. And then for harmony to be brought together. And then after accepting myself for uh, having both of these ways, uh, you know, anger and then harmony in a relationship for the creator to know itself, I see the other person as the creator. And when it's done at that level, especially if you use meditation, uh, I think it carries a whole lot more weight in your total beingness because there's something about the meditative state that makes things a whole lot more real than uh, just the uh, contemplative state. Contemplation, I I believe, is very helpful as well. It's uh, kind of one stage between our normal waking consciousness and meditation. But I think the meditative state has a kind of a magical quality about it. It exists more in time-space than in space-time. It's more uh, spiritual than mundane. So I think if in that type of a, a situation, that type of your consciousness in that state, you have a lot more luck in seeing another person as a creator. And then maybe you could use it not just when you have a difficulty that you'd like to resolve internally with another person. You could um, look around at the people that you uh, have contact with on a daily basis that maybe you don't have difficulties with at the moment, maybe you have in the past. Um, You just see them on a regular basis. And if you wanted to deepen your appreciation of them, I think that this would be the way to do it in the meditative state to see the master creator, look at the uh, qualities that they have that you appreciate and the ones that you don't appreciate and and see how this is the creator knowing itself. And by using the meditative state, I think that it'll carry a lot more weight in your total beingness and, and uh, give you a real feeling for um, the fact that that really is the creator and that so are you. Austin, how about you? This is another great answer. Um Billy asks how often we do it ourselves, and I have to say that this is probably my most practiced exercise. I uh, engage in this more than even just silent meditation. I think that it's a, a, a habit that you sort of form, and if you do it enough, uh, you sort of form the habit of every time you see somebody, you dive into this contemplation in a sort of a natural way. So uh, I agree with both of you in that it's it goes way beyond just sort of saying see the creator uh, when you look at somebody else. It's a very uh, strictly intellectual way to go about it. And I do think it's more of a contemplation uh, and a meditation. So in this passage, uh, Ra prefaces this exercise with the phrase, the universe is one being. And then they go on to say, when you view an other self, uh, see the creator. And in contemplating this, I start with asking myself what that word means, the being, the universe is one being. And the only context I have for the possible depth of that word is myself and my own experiences. What makes me a being? Is it that I am alive or is it that I experience things or is it that I simply exist? Is it that I'm self-aware? And I think all of these things and more 
seem like likely criteria for uh, being a being. And beyond that, there's a depth to my beingness that uh, it's not only impossible to put into words, but it's impossible to really grasp with my mind. And it remains uh, beyond this boundary of conceptualization. But whatever it means to be a being, I only have the context for my own personal experience with that. But the universe is one being, so uh, you can ask yourself, is that only me? Or is it limited to my own experiences, perceptions, feelings, and a depth of this mystery? And it seems obvious to me that this is not the case, that the other entities around me, though I have no proof that they have a similar depth, uh, they also have this experience of beingness. So to see the creator in my other selves starts at this point to simply acknowledge that each individual has their own beingness and as complex and winding as our own experiences are, each person about us has a similarly vast beingness that reaches to boggling depths. <clears throat> and after acknowledging this, it's simply a matter of contemplating the rest of Ra's statement. The universe is one being. Somehow, in some way, this beingness that I experience and the beingness that you experience is the same beingness. Many spiritual teachings, including the Law of One, claim that the perception that these are separate beingnesses, if that's a word, uh, is simply an illusion. But it is one that we are confronted with strongly, so we have to sort of work within it. <clears throat> so we have to grasp for ways to acknowledge this unified beingness from within this illusion. In my eyes, it must be within the depths of my own beingness, which are beyond that conceptualization. And I think the closest we can really come to actually conceptualizing it is through the expression of I am. So every individual can say that I am blank and fill in the blank with any number of examples of how they identify. I am man, I am woman, I am happy, I am sad, I am a banker, I'm a mountain climber, I am pleased to meet you. Uh, etc. But the root of all this identification that every individual has starts with I am. And before we extend identity into any aspect of our uh, manifestation, we start at that baseline, the I. Every person has this within them. They may choose to define themselves in any number of various ways that they wish, but it all starts from that same exact location, I am. And this is where uh, seeing the creator in other selves uh, lands for me, at least in this level of my journey of seeking. I can dive into the depths and recognize the unadulterated, undiluted, uh, undistorted I am and recognize that this is the same I am as each other individual. When someone else says I am, it is the same voice that speaks when I say I am. It is the voice of the creator. And we are only that which comes after. Actually, I don't know what that next sentence is supposed to mean. So I'll cut that off. Uh, that's essentially what it means for me, that uh, each person is the creator starting from that standpoint of I am. When I say I am, it's the same voice speaking when another person says I am. So those were my thoughts. Anything else from you guys? Not for me. Um, no, I, I wish I could have heard your answer. Um, the listener 
may not know that we had some technical difficulties and I couldn't hear Austin's answer. So um, I will have to go back and play that. But no, sorry for the irrelevant note. You'll just have to trust that it's good. <laughs> Alrighty. So uh, <laughs> we can move on to our uh, next question, which comes from another user on Bring Forth, whose name I cannot pronounce, uh, but it looks like Gel. S J E L. That's the J is like a Y in some cultures, so it'd be C L. C L. Either way, apologies. Apologies. S J L. But this user submits the question: What is the purpose of trying to understand anything spiritually related when, according to Ra, this is not a dimension of knowing, even subjectively? When we feel like we have gotten somewhere in our understanding, what is it that we have understood? Since this is not the density of understanding, what have we gained when we feel that we've figured something out? And uh, for context, I'd like to read the entire question and answer that this uh, user is referring to, which is uh, 61.9. Don asks, uh, this brings out the point of the purpose of the for the physical incarnation, I believe, and that is to reach a conviction through our own thought processes as to a solution to problems and understandings in a totally unbiased or totally free situation with no proof at all or anything that you would consider proof, proof being a very poor word in itself. Can you expand on my concept? And Ra responds, I am Ra. Your opinion is an eloquent one, although somewhat confused in its connections between the freedom expressed by subjective knowing and the freedom expressed by subjective acceptance. There is a significant distinction between the two. This is not a dimension of knowing, even subjectively, due to the lack of overview of cosmic and other importings which affect each and every situation which produces catalyst. The subjective acceptance of that which is at the moment and the finding of love within that moment is the greater freedom. That known as a subjective knowing without proof is, in some degree, a poor friend, for there will be anomalies no matter how much information is garnered due to the distortions uh, which form third density. So, with all of that in mind, Jim, uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think that what we're doing here is, uh, as Ra used uh, the uh, analogy in another question, we're searching around with a small candle in the darkness, and there's... um, the truth is all about us, but with this little bitty candle of our consciousness, we're looking for uh, whatever we can find that gives us, gives us an idea of how to progress along our spiritual journey, of how to find more love and light, how to give more love and light, whatever polarity might be. And the subjective acceptance that Ra is talking about, I believe, is our ability to realize that we can't see the overall picture, but there's still great value in trying to grasp whatever we can of the nature of the truth and the illusion that is around us. As we go through a daily round of activities, we have catalysts of all different kinds. We need to try to see that this is all working for a, it's a plan and a purpose, and it's working out as it should in our lives, and we've taken part and making pre-incarnative choices and brought us to where we are. And that there is a creator. Now, a lot of this is the acceptance that I was talking about. This is, I think another word for acceptance might be faith. That there is a creator that created everything that is everywhere. We're part of that creator, and we're trying to find our way back to the creator on a long journey through the octave of densities. So as we do this bit of journey here in the third density, in this darkness that has a veil of forgetting, we find a little hint here and there of how, how things really are, that um, 
when we give out a certain sort of an energy, we tend to get it back. That when we can give more love out, we tend to get that back. And that if we treat people uh, with love and light, they, they treat us the same way. And that there are larger principles at play. And if we can accept that and have faith that those things are true, that we're seeing a part of the picture, we're seeing um, just the, the bare outline, uh, inchoate image of this wholeness that is all around us, then we can exercise our will and continue to go forward and continue to give love and light and continue to receive it, continue to see the Creator everywhere and uh, continue to move ourselves into union with the Creator. So I think that's basically what Ra's talking about is that we can't understand everything at all here. We can only begin to grasp a bit of what's happening, but that's enough to draw us on in our journey. And oddly enough, that is what really makes the polarization process here work faster than it does in those entities that existed before there was a veil. They all knew without doubt that the, they knew the truth. They knew we were all one. We knew that the creator was everywhere, that no one was more the creator than another. And you know what? It took them a whole lot longer to graduate from third density than it takes us. So that's the paradox that has uh, always intrigued me. So don't worry so much about you not seeing the whole picture, or even very much of it. Just keep on moving forward because there is a reward for it. You will find what you're seeking for you and you'll become what you're seeking. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, Gary, how do you feel about that? Ah, dang, that was outstanding. I think um, <clears throat> I'm just going to say much of the same in a, in a different way. <clears throat> um, so I don't quite understand what Ra means by stating that this is not a density of, quote, understanding. I wish Don would have explored that further in light of how frequently Ra put the word and the concept understanding in figurative quotes. What is it to understand? Um, I take that to mean, as uh, Jim was conveying, that we cannot ultimately understand our situation. As Jim said, like, we can't see the whole picture. Um, we deal in, and, and I'm going to zoom out now to the, to the cosmic scale of things. Um, we deal in an infinite universe. We are infinite beings. There is only ever infinity, no here or there, only here. There is only eternity, no past or present, only now. There is only the one yet here we are in a seemingly finite world, living finite lives seeing not unity but separation, seeing not the one but manyness, thinking strictly and exclusively in terms of space and time. We feel so very real and solid, but against the backdrop of infinity, we are illusions interacting with illusions. So what do we, or can we, really understand um, from that vantage point? Uh, well, we can understand that all begins and ends in mystery. But even then, what are we really understanding? Are we saying that we don't or can't know? Are we saying that our understanding only reaches so far and from that point forward extends only an infinite abyss of darkness into which we do not peer? For that matter, what about the question, why do we exist? We have a reply to that question from Confederation sources who assert that we and the universe itself exist because infinity became aware and the creator desired to know itself. What does that mean? And this is not a question that a third entity entity can answer satisfactorily. Uh, perhaps because this truth does not split into subject and object. And the third entity entity believes itself a subject interacting with, seeking, 
and avoiding many other objects. Uh, these are questions and thoughts for the ages, uh, surely. But in the meantime, as Jim was saying, while there is value in this experience. While we live and breathe as third-density entities behind the veil, while we cycle through incarnations, seeking healing and transformation and polarization and service and the creator and so forth, we can incrementally become more and more conscious. We can bring more material from the unknown into the somewhat known. Uh, we can discover more and more who we are, who others are, what our true desires are. We can balance our energies, raise the locus of our awareness, purify ourselves, even go so far as to achieve, as it were, union with the one infinite creator. That is to say, union with who we always have been all along. Um, in other words, the system can and does function at this level, even if we don't ultimately understand the Logos designed a density where total understanding would be all but impossible, according to Ra. And for reasons Jim mentioned, um, those before the veil had a wonderful experience and could understand, I presume, as Ra means the term understand, yet they weren't doing their work and they weren't moving through the density. So this situation was invented whereby entities could not know. Um, and in this state of knowing, there is nevertheless still work to do. There's still illumination to seek. And if there weren't, Ra wouldn't have even bothered to send their narrow band transmission, nor for that matter, would any teacher at attempt to teach. So, um, you ask, well, what can we gain then? What have we gained if we can't understand? And, um, <clears throat> Uh, spiritual evolution shows that we can still, nevertheless, even without understanding, we can polarize. We can learn to more and more serve others. Um, we can um, even that the quote that Ra or that the quote that Austin read from Ra at the beginning of um, I often confuse Austin and Ra. So it's a wise <laughs> beings. It's it's understanding. <laughs> The, the quote that he read at the beginning um, that also uh, S.J.E.L. refers to um, speaks of how subjective acceptance is the greater freedom. And uh, Jim linked that to faith. And uh, maybe learning to subjectively accept is an understanding of its own, you might say. Um, if you can learn to subjectively accept when everything in this particular system tells you not to accept or to find judgment or to resist in some way, um, then that itself is a growing, is a learning, is, is an understanding, I would say. But um, in the final analysis, there's still value even if we can't understand. But I would still love to know exactly what Ra meant by understanding. I wish Don um, would have asked for a definition and explored that one further. Uh, back to you, Austin. Uh, thank you. I wish that I had an answer prepared that was a quarter or a fraction as thought out and inspiring as both you and Jim have shared. Um, so you could but, you could ride on our energy <laughs> on this time. Well, I don't think I even have it in me. You guys both did a great job. Um, I would only add a few thoughts that are more uh, hair splitting to the actual raw material than would actually be inspiring, as you guys have offered. Um, that is uh, perhaps the, the quote that I read from Ra that 
S-G-A-E-L was referring to, seemed to me to be talking about um, specifically knowing uh, circumstances behind Catalyst and specifically knowing how to respond. And um, I think that it was from that perspective that Ra was talking about this being a dimension of not knowing and that uh, situations that we find ourselves in are so infinitely complex and we can never know the sort of impact that we'll have by uh, acting or reacting and we can never know exactly how we ended up in that situation to such a perfect degree where we'll know exactly how we can respond. And so in that answer that Ra gave, the sense that I got is very similar to uh, what you and Jim were talking about <clears throat> in that sort of faith aspect of accepting that you are here and that there is a purpose for being here and that everything is ultimately okay. Uh, everything will ultimately be okay and everything is ultimately the creator and just uh, finding that sort of acceptance. And the other comment I would have is that perhaps uh, SJEL asks about what happens, what is it when we feel like we've gotten somewhere? Or what is it that it, when we feel like we understood something? And um, I don't think that when Ra gave this answer, they were discouraging the attempt to understand something or discouraging the attempt to broaden our perceptions and broaden our ability to grasp the reality around us, but uh, just reminding us that that is not the ultimate goal here. If we are broadening our perception, it is so that we can find more acceptance of what we're experiencing. And if we're uh, attempting to understand something so we can bring more acceptance to that situation. And so perhaps the feeling of spiritual progress when we feel like we've gotten somewhere is simply uh, finding an ability within ourselves to uh, expand our acceptance of certain situations or certain circumstances within the universe. At least uh, that's how I feel when I feel like I've gotten somewhere. It is simply finding a new level of acceptance to be found in this crazy density. Uh, that's about all that I have to offer. Any further thoughts from either of you? Not from I. I, I thought your answer was wonderful and you sold yourself short. And, um, and I think that was a really interesting point, how you said that we can't know all the repercussions and consequences of our actions and how that will ripple out and affect the next person and the next or affect even our own evolution. And we can't know, um, as you said, how we arrived at this point um like rod describes that made me think uh, just this moment about Ra's description of the nature of catalyst and they say something like even the most seemingly um conscious and apparent of catalyst has most of its most of its bulk on an unconscious level um, meaning we're not by the time we see it and become aware of catalyst it has filtered through um, who knows how many layers of the subconscious experience and mind so um, we don't even see most of our own catalyst so um, it just really helps to clarify in what ways we're in a, a sort of metaphysical darkness and Ra also described like how we're not aware of all the cosmic inpourings and all the other influences that are that converge in this particular nexus to make this particular moment um ever really and how many moments are there in in any one life where 
really out to see. So accepting and, and having faith are really our, our, our North Star. That's how we guide this journey through the unknown. But that's it for me. Yeah, I'll read that quote that you're referencing really quickly because I think it's relevant and it's a good quote. It's at a 9320. Part of Raw's answer is, all that you perceive seems to be consciously perceived. This is not the correct supposition. All that you perceive is perceived as catalyst unconsciously. By the, shall we say, time that the mind begins its appreciation of catalyst, the catalyst has been filtered through the veil, and in some cases, much is veiled in the most apparently clear perception. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very relevant to the idea of not knowing, especially in the context that uh, I was thinking. Yeah, how personal to oneself is one's catalyst. Right, yeah. Um, everything is going to be filtered through our own distortions, and everybody's going to see the world differently. Two people could be in one uh, exact same situation and have completely different ideas about what is happening to them and how they got there. So I think that has to do with what Ra's talking about. I think that brings us up to our time. Uh, any uh, final words for our listeners, Jim? Yes, we thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate your attention. We appreciate your questions. We appreciate your love. Know that you're loved right back. When you're walking down the street tomorrow, give a little love in the form of a smile, and look what comes back. We'll see you all next time. You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you have enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, lrresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you would like to submit a question for us before the next show, uh, please read our instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other week, uh, Wednesday afternoons. So have a wonderful week and or a wonderful couple of weeks and we'll talk with you then. <laughs>